normally we just talk about the business, the culture of the company, what's going on, and it's pretty rare that we have someone from the outside uh, here to speak with us. But I thought it was appropriate today since it's, it's, it's Veterans Day and we've got a really special guest. And I'm going to introduce you, Saul Junta. And Saul is an amazing guy, and I'm not going to say too much about him because I want, I want him to, to help tell his story. Um, but in context of today, uh, Sal is a recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, Sal served in the Army for a long time, and he's now a student in Fort Collins at Colorado State, and he's studying supply chain. Pretty appropriate given the, uh, the business that we're all in together. Uh, but Sal, welcome to Bentonville. First time here. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. This is, uh, as we said, an exciting day, but um, I want to talk about you for a second. So you're from Iowa, and you had traveled the world, you said, before you were 17 or something like that, or quite different? I, I had not traveled the world. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from Iowa, and uh, as far as my travels were at 17, it was any state that touches the state of Iowa, about <laughs> as far as I've ever gone. So uh, the opportunity to to now have seen large swaths of the world is, is super cool to see now now with all the places i've been also to see and be here with walmart at the headquarters this is like uh this is where it all started huh it is for us <laughs> it is for us and we do remind ourselves frequently this is not the center of the world it may be the center of our business world but uh it is is a great place and thanks for coming um so go back to uh if you don't mind talk about um what you're doing in high school and how this story all took shape yeah my 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 growing up was very much ordinary Midwest America. You do good things, good things happen to you. You do bad things, bad things happen to you. Uh, I was a C student in high school. Life was good. I worked at Subway. I was a sandwich artist. It allowed me to buy all my little trinkets and treasures, and, and life was good. Uh, it was one day that really changed my perspective or, or my framing of the world, and it was September 11, 2001. Uh, America was attacked, not our strategic military target, but our citizens, our, our way of life. I'd never been to New York, but after turning on the television and seeing the planes come in, I, I saw innocence was lost that day. Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't know what to do. I was a pretty excited uh, young man, and I called my mom up and I said, Mom, I, I think I got to join the Army. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is, this is the time right now is to join. And she said, Salvatore, absolutely not. Uh, you're 17. Uh, you can graduate high school and we'll talk about it. And that, that idea of service, sad to say, at 17 was kind of a, a fleeting feeling for me. It quickly became about I, 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 and me, me, me again. Uh, but but skip to my senior year in high school, uh, working at Subway. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm sweeping her mop on the floor, and this radio commercial came on, and it was, you know, come on down, see a recruiter, get a free T-shirt. I'm mopping the floor at Subway at 10 o'clock at night. I, I want a free Army T-shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so I went and I talked to the recruiter. And the recruiter told me something that uh, I really wasn't prepared to hear. And he told me the truth. He said, we're a country at war. We've been in Afghanistan since 2001. We just jumped into Iraq March 26, 2003. You're an 18-year-old able-bodied male. If you want to make a tangible difference in the country that has given you absolutely everything, join the United States Army. And that really struck me. Uh, I mean, no one ever, I wasn't prepared to be treated like an adult, and I thought he was going to try selling me something, not just sell me with the truth. And I thought about it, and, and I could make a tangible difference, and I didn't really have any direct uh, future dreams. I wasn't going to pursue school right away. And so joining the military gave me that chance to, for them to teach me to be useful and then to be put to use. It uh, it really changed my life. Um 
in ways that I, I, I joined, I want to, I would love to tell you it's for patriotism. It was, it was for the adventure. By the time I was 18, it was, they gave me a chance to jump out of planes and shoot guns and leave Iowa and all that sounded pretty darn good to me. <laughs> and the, uh, the jumping out of planes story, that, that's pretty good. How you got from, uh, this, this conversation, the recruiter to what do you want to do? And you're, you're telling me earlier, jumping out of planes sounds good because it paid better. Yeah, 150 extra dollars a month. It was awesome. I, I was just trying to think of something smart to say to the recruiter because I knew he was going to sell me something I didn't want to buy. And I was, I was trying to think, and sometimes thinking's hard for me, especially when I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking about. But I, I thought you just joined the Army and you got a job. I didn't right, know there right. was actual careers in the Army. And that parachute was hanging from the, the ceiling of the recruiter station and said, you know, want to jump out of planes. He goes, yeah, that's 150 extra dollars a month. I said, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> Ask me another question. I'll pick all sorts of jobs with bonuses. <laughs> what else can I layer on here? <laughs> that's right. So you, uh, you went from, from that point in your life, got in, got enlisted, uh, sent over to Italy where you were stationed and then talk about the unit you were in and, and its history. I think it's an important part of, of the story. Yeah, I mean, I, I wear the pen right now. There's very few things that I wear as an identifier, but but this explains a lot about me, and it's the 173rd in Vicenza, Italy. When I when I showed up in uh, uh, early 2004 in Vicenza, Italy, there was 2,000 combat-hardened airborne infantrymen with jump stars on their jump wings because they are the unit that jumped into Iraq March 26, 2003. Mm -hmm. I was able to show up and, and not just meet my boss, but to meet a leader someone who wasn't going to say, hey, I need you to go do this, someone that was going to say, hey, follow me. Um, they really set the tone for my next seven years in the military after that. I mean, we don't lower the bar. We, we only raise it, and it's about achieving the standard and then surpassing it. The standard's not the goal. Surpassing the standard is. Um, it, was, it was really a, a powerful point in my life. And because the 173rd it has only stood up for combat. Mm -hmm. So it stood right. up at the beginning of Vietnam, and then it was reflagged at the end. And then the, they only re-stood up again in 2001 before Kosovo. It will now be a, a full-time uh, Army unit. But we have a large gap uh, between our age groups. Most units, there's always someone in and always someone leaving. Mm -hmm. But in the 173rd, that hasn't been true since 1975 until 2001. So uh, our unit's a little more diverse in its alumni. Mm -hmm. And then also being over in Italy, uh, say I'm a United States soldier and I spent eight years in the army and then to tell you I spent seven and a half of them out of this country is kind of a strange thing. Italy was a great spot. Uh, two and a half years in Afghanistan. That's what we're asking of our young men and women in service today. Uh, at that at that time in 2003, it was every other year. You're going to go to war for a year. You'll come home for a year and train to go to war for a year. And uh, that was our tempo. But to, to do it with like-minded people and mm -hmm. to know that no matter what crazy thing tomorrow is going to bring, you'll all be there together to endure it, uh, is very powerful. When did it switch for you from, from it being about you to worrying about the people to your left and your right? I, I think when I really found the value of what a team means. Mm -hmm. No matter which room you're in or wherever you're at, there's no one person that's better than all of us. And when, when you're everything... Is truly your everything. A bad decision is, is could cost a life. Uh, 
but the only thing you have to look out for, no one in the military is ever asked to look out for themselves. You look out for the person to the left of you and the person to the right of you. And by looking out for them and they look out to the person to the left of them and the person to the right of them, you're automatically cared for by two people. That value, that's stronger than you can do for yourself. If you mm-hmm. care about yourself, only one person cares about one person and, it, and it's selfish. Mm-hmm. But to look, look for those to your left and right and for them to do the same, it was instilled in me. I, I had a squad leader... He's a, he's a smaller guy, David Barbaret, and uh, he loved this workout till exhaustion thing. And I hated it. It's, <laughs> it's tiring. But it's never this awesome 300-pound weight that you can't lift off your chest anymore. It's the 45-pound bar with nothing else on it. And you did it as many times as you could. Maybe it was 10 times. Maybe it was 110 times, whatever it was. Sooner or later, that weight becomes more than you're capable of, of lifting yourself, even if it's only 45 pounds. And your buddy's there, and they just lift it off your chest with two fingers. And it's not that they didn't want to help you earlier. It's that you couldn't achieve your best without them letting you try your hardest. Right. But the fact that they've been standing by your side, just waiting for the chance to engage and, and help you pick yourself up or, or lift the weight off your chest, um, it, it, it's something special. And Barbarette made us do that a lot, just, just to prove that, one, we all will fail under, even if it's hold your hands above your head. Sooner or later, you just it stops being possible for you to do that. And he showed us the power of a team and then went to Afghanistan and we saw the value of a team. That's right. So when you got you got into Afghanistan, um, you know, a number of things happened. You were there for two and a half years. And the uh, this uh, the story you've got uh, that happened and, uh, you know, it's more powerful than just a story that led ultimately to uh, you being recognized and receiving the, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Um, I know to, to many people it sounds like a huge event. Uh, to you, it is a huge event, but it's also it was just one day in the life of your service. And I'd love to, to, to hear how you think about that day, what happened in context with your entire career, your life, and what it means not only for you but for the 173rd. And I think that's, that's really the point to all this as I've been learning more about you the last few days. Absolutely. I, you know, we're not recreating the wheel. Mm-hmm. We're following in the footsteps of those before us. The, we're not creating the standard. We're upholding the standard, maintaining the standard, and hopefully exceeding the standard. For me, that, that day in Afghanistan, that was my second tour. In my lifetime, I've maybe, I don't want to exaggerate, I've probably been in 300, maybe 350 gunfights. Um, it's not, that, that was kind of the nature of the beast. That's the, the job requirements. And on October 25th, 2007, I wasn't alone in a gunfight. I was there with 16 other guys, uh, 16 other guys I'd been in several fights with before. The two gentlemen that lost their lives, Specialist Hugo Mendoza and Sergeant Joshua Brennan, they gave everything so we could have another breath. And it wasn't, it was by being there is their, their willingness to participate. Uh, I saw some of the most incredible actions of people doing things around me in a near ambush situation. It's a, it's a very bad scenario and ultimately you shoot them they shoot you last one standing gets to declare they're on the winning team a 75 percent casualty rate is an acceptable success rate we we, we plan this we're, we're professional soldiers and so we know what we're kind of looking at but because everyone was doing everything they needed to do all the boxes were checked the only thing that i was doing were the boxes that weren't checked because that's what professionals do we all got to move in different directions at the same time to get the most amount of things done the quickest we can mm-hmm. the things i did that night were not special it was exactly what was expected of me. It was the only thing left to do, and that's why I did it. I think now, on October 25th, 2007, other than the loss of, of two of my good friends, dear friends, 
that day doesn't stand out as another day in combat. The next day you, you're going to walk somewhere and someone's going to shoot at you and it's going to pick up again. That was October 25th, 2007. We didn't leave uh, the Corngall Valley until July 29th, 2008. Uh, we, we were busy working. There was things to be done. Uh, there's a there's a book by Sebastian Younger called War. Uh, there's a documentary uh, on Netflix called Restrepo. Uh, I wrote a book about it uh, called Living with Honor. Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was, a, it was a very the Hindu Kush is a crazy place to be. But the craziest thing I think that happened in my life wasn't what happened in the Hindu Kush. It was about the recognition of what happened in the Hindu Kush. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm wearing a medal is because of my actions, but that's not what we do things for in the military. We do things because they need to get done. My life changed when I was recognized to receive the Medal of Honor. And I don't want to say that it was a bad thing. I'm, I'm going to say it was, it was embarrassing to be called out because I know my peers they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, they're more selfless than I am. Some of them say, hey, follow me, and I'll follow them. And sometimes I say, follow me, and they follow me, and I'm a little bit worried for the decisions we're all making. It, we've always done it as a team, and uh, to wear the medal alone is a lonely place to be, and it, it felt, it feels um, yeah. awkward. Yeah. And so if I get the opportunity to speak into a microphone, I want to talk about those to the left and the right of me, those that came before and those that are still over there kicking butt for us today. Where's the medal today? The medal today is exactly where it's supposed to be. It is over in Vicenza, Italy with the 173rd. Um, like I said, I, I struggled for mm-hmm. a couple years, not, not outwardly, but what that represents and what, what that means. I've lost 28 buddies in combat who gave every single one of their last breaths just so we could have it today. And to be singled out and recognized is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's, it's great recognition for the unit. It is, and, and, it could, and that is where it belongs. It belongs right. with those still doing it. I, I couldn't, I ended up over in Italy about three years ago over the 4th of July, and I had the opportunity. There's about 50 guys that served in the unit from Vietnam that were there, and I'm looking at 2,000 maroon beret men and women ready to jump on a plane and take a half ride to nowhere at, at a drop of a, any notice, a drop of a hat notice to defend our freedom. And I thought, this is, this is it. This is exactly where the medal belongs. It belongs with those that are living selflessly, those that are living for us. And, and they will never say that because they got their nose to the grindstone and they're working, but they did it. And it gave me the opportunity to, to pull off the Medal of Honor and, and bestow it to them because that's who they're earning it every single day. Mm-hmm. And although it's an individual award, I, I think they got that wrong. It's always been a unit award. I've, in the military, I haven't even gone to the bathroom alone. So to say I did something alone, don't don't single me out that way. It's inappropriate. Uh, the medal's where it's supposed to be. So people say that uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And and after this day, when you receive the medal, your life changed quite a bit. And you didn't ask for it. You didn't ask for the change, but it did change. So what's the change been like? It's been exciting and worrisome and nerve-wracking and awkward. Um it, it really has, it, it's changed the way I even carry myself. Like I said, I know who I represent. And when you're representing people that are so much better than you, you got to bring your A game all the time because they deserve that. Mm-hmm. I think I was a staff sergeant, airborne infantry, airborne infantry staff sergeant. We're the kind of people that hang out in the back of the room or possibly close to the bar. Um, and now all of a sudden they, I'm talking into microphones and I'm, I'm talking about my peers and sitting with the generals. And it's been an, it's been an awesome 
shift in my life, but it's been one that I, I really don't feel like I signed up for. Do you mind talking about uh, what's that been like? I know you're in college now and you're thinking about the next chapter. You're graduating in May and you're on a, in a great path. But um, what's it been like transitioning from from that style of life and leadership to working in the public again? It, it's been humbling. <laughs> um, you know, there's always that next adventure. And uh, I will be the first person in my family to have a four-year degree. I don't think that would have happened without the GI Bill, uh, mm -hmm. being able to afford me the opportunity to go to school. And I don't think it would have happened without all the great inspiration I have around me, people saying, hey, you go back to school, you put your head in the book, you learn some stuff, you make yourself useful again, and then re-engage in life. It's been a neat opportunity. My wife has been my biggest cheerleader, my best coach, and uh, sometimes the one that gives me the kick in the, in the tail end to get me moving again. It is the opportunity to engage with these folks in school. The average students right now, because I'm a senior, is like 20, 21. Uh, I'm 34 years old. And I get to listen to them talk about things they have no business understanding, and yet they comprehend mm -hmm. the ways of the world, and they know things that they've mm -hmm. never experienced, but they've, they've read about. And it motivates the heck out of me to think, hey, we're all trainable. We're all, we're all capable of learning. And the folks that we have coming out at 21 years old are incredible ambassadors and are ready to just make the future a brighter place for all of us. Someone said to me recently, the best time to plant a tree is either 20 years ago or today. So you just got to decide to go out, plant the tree, get going. Anyone can do it. You just have to work through it, have a great attitude. And, and it, you know, it's hard. It's hard when you've got a family. You've got a family. You've got kids. You're balancing all of that. You're balancing this. You're balancing school. But, but you're going to do it, and you're going to finish it, and other people can as well. Absolutely. I mean, I should be proof of that. I'm, I'm a kid from Iowa who joined for an adventure and had the opportunity to see the world. And now I'm still... Now I'm a guy from Iowa, maybe not a kid anymore, but we all have these these chances we can take in life. And when we were talking earlier, I said that the, oh, there's a Wayne Gretzky quote I love, and you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. That's the bottom line. If, if you've been successful in everything you've done, I suggest you find a bigger fishbowl to play in uh, because we're not. And it's about achieving more by, by taking yourself out of the comfort zone. And for a lot of us, school's it. Yes, I was a C yes. student in high school. I am like a... A minus A student in college, which which blows me away. I think my perspective of it's a lot different, and I know that knowledge really is power. And you're invested in it. I, I, it's funny you say that. I still think of myself as a kid from Southern Arkansas. I was the first to graduate college in my family as well. And it, it, it's just you just make up your mind and you go do it. And whatever you put your mind to, you can do. You're an inspiration to many. Uh, I know you didn't ask to be an inspiration to many, but you are. And the work you're doing matters. And I'm looking forward to. Uh, spending some more time with you this afternoon in front of the group, but appreciate you coming in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, thanks for having me, John.